Dear colleagues, uh, it's a pleasure for me today uh, in this new EAU podcast uh, to have with us Professor Pauls uh, to discuss some very important results uh, that has been just released during the ESMO. Uh, Professor Pauls, thank you very much for being with us today. Thank you for inviting me. That's great. Um, let's, let's talk about the study that you have just presented. Yes. Um, about EV302. Yeah. So can you tell us about the rationale behind this, this study and the, the design briefly? Sure. So urothelial cancer or bladder cancer, when it spreads beyond the bladder, we call advanced disease. And advanced bladder cancer or urothelial cancer is a lethal disease. The median overall survival of these patients is about a year, maybe 12 to 14 months. Patients are treated with gemcitabine, with cisplatin or carboplatin as a standard of care. It's been the standard for 40 years. I've tried many times, we've all tried many times to displace that as the standard of care because we know chemotherapy is quite difficult to give and it's not super effective. Essentially, most patients, their cancers grow about the time we stop chemotherapy, it starts regrowing. And so we felt for a long time, although bladder cancer is a sensitive disease, chemotherapy doesn't look fabulous. In the background, we've been de developing immune checkpoint inhibitors such as pembrolizumab and antibody drug conjugates which is a drug like Infortumab Vodotin, which targets Nectin-4 with MMAs, the payload. Both those drugs have activity in bladder cancer. We combined them in a phase two trial, and we showed the combination had response rates of about 70%. And then we look at chemotherapy, we had response rates of about 45%. So we thought maybe we can beat chemotherapy at last. So that was the hypothesis. We launched an 800-patient randomized phase three study a one-to-one -one randomization, open-label trial with progression-free survival and overall survival as a primary endpoint. The first-line patients with metastatic urothelial cancer were included, cisplatin-eligible, cisplatin-ineligible, a broad spectrum of patients. And what we showed was a 50% reduction in the risk of death and a 50% reduction in the risk of um, progression a 68% response rate. Um, and so we kind of have beaten chemotherapy. Now, there are some caveats, of course. Um, there's some toxicity profile, which needs to be uh, considered. And, uh, that we already know from, from yeah. metastatic uh, second so line. Skin toxicity, peripheral neuropathy, diabetes, but actually overall, grade three or four related toxicity Mm -hmm. was a little bit lower in the okay. Pembro group and the chemotherapy group. Um, I think it was about 65 versus 70%. So that's the first thing. And then the second thing is that we didn't have any toxic-related deaths to skin toxicity, which was one of our concerns before. Um, we also showed the efficacy was across broad subgroups of patients. So it worked irrespective of the pdl one status. It worked irrespective of... Um, the cisplatin eligibility, so it works in the cisplatin group as well as the, uh, the carboplatin group. And so they're really consistent results with these really low hazard ratios. Mm -hmm. I mean, both hazard ratios are about 0.45 for progression-free okay. survival and overall survival. We've not seen those hazard ratios in urothelial cancer before. We've really struggled to beat chemotherapy, speaking frankly. As you know, we've had many goes with chemotherapy and immune therapy and all sorts. So I think this is a new chapter mm -hmm. in urothelial bladder cancer. Um, I think that um, it's broadly applicable to broad subgroups of patients. And I think this will have a big impact on, the, on patients. 
that's that's definitely the main results we we had uh, this year in, in uh, first line metastatic urethral carcinoma. There was also another study that has been uh, uh, released during uh, ESMO, the Checkmate 901. Yes. Can you can you explain us like maybe a bit like the, this this other study and how you see um, these both studies? Where are they going to be um, seen in the next guidelines? Yeah, so um, 901 is a study in cisplatin-eligible patients, mm -hmm. and they receive combination of cisplatin plus nivolumab followed by maintenance nivolumab com um, compared to cisplatin alone. And it's a randomized phase 3 study too. You'll know in the past there's been studies called 361 and 130, mm -hmm. And there's been a study called Javelin, which is maintenance of Alimab. And I think to summarize those three studies in two sentences, which is probably an oversimplification, what we showed is chemotherapy with immune therapy together didn't seem synergistic or additive. It seemed a bit antagonistic. Mm -hmm. And we showed that that maintenance period was associated with a survival benefit. And so therefore the 130 trial, which is a tezolizumab plus chemotherapy, mm -hmm. and the 361 trial, which is pembrolizumab plus chemotherapy, were negative for overall survival. Now, there was a trend towards an improvement that we can talk about from a scientific perspective, but not from a clinical perspective. They're negative trials and they shouldn't be given. But it looked like some of that benefit was being generated from that maintenance period when you stop chemotherapy. So we've been talking for a long period of time about the antagonism between the two together, and then you stop, and then as with mm -hmm. Javelin, there's a maintenance benefit. In the 130 trial, the tezolizumab study and the subset analysis, there did seem to be an exploratory benefit when you give the cisplatin chemotherapy, but not the carboplatin chemotherapy, but not the carboplatin chemotherapy with a tezolizumab. But that benefit wasn't as marked mm -hmm. in the pembrolizumab trial. And so the nivolumab study, which has looked at the cisplatin subgroup, actually shows that benefit. Now, how much of that is generated by the maintenance period? We don't know, speaking mm -hmm. frankly, mm -hmm. um, and we never will. Um, but the hazard ratios there of 0.78 are in line, actually, with the tezolizumab study and, you know, not a million miles off the, uh, the pembrolizumab study. So the likelihood is there is probably modest or mild benefit for the chemotherapy immune combination with cisplatin. It's not synergistic. It's maybe a bit antagonistic. A lot of the benefits can be coming from that maintenance period. It is important, though, that the response rate is higher. Mm -hmm. Um, for the nivolumab chemotherapy combination than the chemotherapy alone. And so it does suggest that there is a bit of a boost. And I think that's relevant. And so when you look back on that and say, would you rather have cisplatin plus nivolumab or wait and have maintenance yeah. um, um, evalumab, I can see people saying, well, actually, you know, slightly higher response rates, the OS at least is good. Why not go for that? And I can see it. I can see that debate happening. Um, I think the, you know, the hazard ratios of 0.46, 0.47 for OS, for EV Pembro, in unselected patients, That's compared to the 0.78 in selected patients with all debate about the maintenance period. I think the likelihood, in my opinion, that I might be a little bit biased, but I think the likelihood is that EV Pembro is going to change Change completely. Completely. The, and the this debate about cisplatin and carboplatin, I think, will be a secondary debate now. You know, there'll be some time for these drugs to get approved. But I think in three or four years' time, we'll be looking back not on cisplatin eligibility, but saying, how do we maximize EV Pembro? Mm -hmm. How long should we be giving it for? What are the toxicity <coughs> issues? Um, what about the neoadjuvant space? 
Um, how do we, you know, how do we cure more patients? I didn't say this, but I should have done. Um, EV Pembro has about a 30% CR rate. Okay. Three zero. Three zero. That's wow. fine. That's fine. Um, and so we put that into the neoadjuvant space, you know, maybe, and let's see, let's maybe see, see what happens. Yeah, sure. So that's fantastic. Maybe last question. Yes. Do, you, do you have any, any, in the, did you perform some exploratory analysis in subgroup? Yes. With EV Pembro? And do yes. you, do you, have you seen like some trends, any biomarkers that are explained? Uh, um, yeah. Express, that are more expressed for yeah. the for the complete response rate, for example. We haven't done that yet. So the press release came out about three or four weeks ago. We, the Seattle Genetics, the Stellas, and MSD team have been working furiously to uh, to get this data in place, and we hope to get that in the future. At the moment, it seems to work across broad subgroups of patients. We can't find subgroups which it, which seem to benefit or not benefit. I'm really excited for for the next months and see what you're gonna. Uh, bring with in this in this area. Thank you for inviting me today. Thank, Thank you, you very much. much.